the name of Satan, I place a curse upon you. What movie is this from? I spit on your garage. You did remember to invite some cute boys to the party, I hope. Of course I did. And we're gonna scare the shit out of them. He's so cold. Is the pizza? Guys think I'm too smart. Come on, I know a professional version when I see one. Point sir. Daddy, you want some? What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? Welcome to Ladies Horror Night. Um, welcome. Woo! We're so excited. We just want to thank Sidewalk Film Festival for welcoming us here. Um, this is a huge deal for us. We've never done a live show before. Well, we've never done one sober. So just, you know, just get in the zone. You guys are all of our customers. This is a dialogue. It's 11 a.m. on a Sunday at the video store and you're looking at something. Yeah, here we're we are. potentially hungover. What are we going to watch first in the morning? Which is like this huge thing where you're like, who am I working with? Like, how hard are they going to judge me if I'm like, I want to watch The Rage Carry 2 at 11 a.m.? <laughs> um, but that's what we're going to talk about today. We have a very special guest joining us on the stage. She is a filmmaker with two different short films in this festival. Ladies and gentlemen, Leo Shore. Thank you for having don't me. Don't trip on a wire. It's okay, a where do brand you new theater. We don't want oh any lawsuits. A lot of times when we start the podcast, when we talk about a film, we ask each other what our history with the movie is. And uh, that's just our way of like, how did you come to this movie? What does it mean to you? Leah, tell us what your history is with the Rage Carry yeah. 2. Yeah, wait, uh, when did this come out again? In like the 90s, late 90s? It was 1999, the oh, best year for cinema. Really old cool 1999. Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, my, my her story was, I, I just immediately think of like my favorite 90s horror movies coming out during that time. So it's like The Faculty. Yes. Idle hands. <laughs> yes. Yes. Jawbreaker. Yes. And, yes. Th and then this movie came out, and I immediately saw it with my friend. And then we immediately we couldn't go to sleep. It, we, I was at a sleepover, and we had to watch a Tinkerbell cartoon movie that like went straight to VHS, and we, we had to watch that before Fern we went Gully? to sleep. We, we also watched Fern Gully. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was Fern Gully, and then also there was like a Tinkerbell animated film. I don't know if that's a her story, but that's just like that's my story. The great thing about horror movies from 1999 is they all star the same, same teenagers, I know. but like in different ways, and you don't know any of their <laughs> names. They're, all of the names that you know are just based on their characters slash what they played previously. So in Carrie 2, it's like Liz Purr from Jawbreaker, the chick from the Clueless TV show, not Alicia Silverstone. I really didn't, I just like needed Alicia in that moment and I, and I didn't get it, so I just like hate her. So she's kind of perfect to be a mean girl in this. And then um, not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but the, the other least, guy from Home Improvement, the, the blonde guy. We know his name. He plays a mean jock. He plays a rapist. He plays a rapist. In jock. this movie. Yeah. He, well, he looked like one. It was good casting. So many white people. Yeah, a lot. There's no people of color with lines in this Fuck film. Up. Can I curse? Period. Yeah, of course. Oh, thank you. Mina Suvari is in it. Oh my God, yeah. Jason London. I, what was yeah. he even in? Tu Wong Fu? Um, Dazed and Confused. And then the the big thing is Sue Snell from the original Carrie plays this, the therapist in this right, movie. Right, so yeah. 
bottom line... Or the counselor, right? She's the counselor. Yeah, she's a counselor. The high school counselor. Yeah. But bottom line is, like, you see all your best friends from the other movies that you love um, and don't know their names, so it's a lot like high school. <laughs> I mean, I watched it a bunch when I was growing up. We actually presented it at Alamo Drafthouse in Brooklyn. The programmer was like, we have this in 35 millimeter. And I was like, why? Number one. Um, so we have to show it. And then I rewatched it and I was like, holy shit, this movie is super heavy. It's about rape culture. It's about call out culture. I internalized it as a kid, but I also think it was really normalized. So I just didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh yeah, this is just a representation of a regular high school. Um, and then I rewatched it now and I was like, shocked. Without contextualizing this film, if you watch it, you're like, what is this production doing? Portraying like aggressive jocks, sexually assaulting, objectifying, harassing all the women in their school with such an aggressive tone that you feel like the filmmakers are trying to normalize it and trying to make you like, these guys are just crazy jocks. And I was like watching it on my couch being like, I'm 32, what the fuck kind of movie is this are we showing? And now I gotta stand up in front of 30 people in Brooklyn and be like, totally, I'm glad you're here. So we did a bunch of research. Once you sort of get the backstory, I was like, okay, wait, now I fucking love this movie. And this movie is light years ahead of its time. Like in terms of the type of stuff we're seeing in genre now where women, people of color are like writing and creating work that talks about their perspective and being oppressed and dealing with these aggressive systems that are only put in place to like marginalize them and take away their voice. We're gonna just show the trailer. Yeah, just so you can familiarize yourself with some That's of these fine. awesome teens. Romeo and Juliet, a tale of star-crossed lovers pulled apart by their families, by society, and some might say, by fate. Now, why is it that we are so moved by love that ends with separation? I don't know that I believe in it. Believe in what? Love? Who would love her? At your age, it's perfectly normal to be afraid of turning out like your parents. Is that scary for you? All your life, you've known that you were different. It must be... Nice, not having to be like everybody else. Sometimes I really wish I could just be one of the shiny, happy people, you know? Come on, this girl's just a skank. You don't even know her. What, and you do? Yeah, I we do know her. The others don't understand you. At least be seen with someone cool, someone who counts. Maybe somebody needs to teach the two of them a little lesson. And they... Rachel. ...don't want you around. If you want to talk out your feelings. No! Well, to hell with them. So you want to know how I'm feeling today? When Rachel was growing up, did you ever see objects move by themselves? What is wrong with this picture? You've heard of Carrie White, haven't you? 73 people died night of the prom. Next semester. Rachel! Terror. Dude, it's her! It's her doing it! Runs no! in the family. The rage carry two. Man, we missed another killer party. That's a 
amazing. really good trailer too. Like Shout Factory released the Blu-ray. They did a good job re-editing that trailer. <laughs> it the made me want to see it. I do want to talk about Kat Shea oh, yeah, and yeah. kind of her how she came to the movies. So she directed Poison Ivy. She came from Roger Corman's school. He produced a bunch of her films. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a huge De Palma fan. She actually was an extra in Scarface. And then she just wanted to become a director after that. Yeah, and that's why she named Strip to Kill, Strip to Kill, because it's like an homage to Dress to Kill. The original director of this got fired, um, and within two two weeks to production or something, they pulled Kat Shea in, and they were like, here you go. Um, And uh, Amy Irvine from the original Carrie was like, I mean, maybe I'll do it. She asked Brian De Palma for his blessing, and he said, okay, yeah, sure, which is pretty (laughs) chill. Well, as you saw, some of it's in color and some of it's in black and white. I, I think that was like a creative choice actually by Kat Shea. She used a bunch of footage from the original Carrie mm-hmm. in it and then she asked Sissy Spacek for her blessing as well. I, she just was like, fuck it. They were like, you can't do this. And she was like, I'm just going to ask Sissy Spacek directly. And she just made shit happen. She also put herself in the film. She's in the film. Oh, as Wait, like, who is she? She's the... the concerned teacher oh, she, or counselor or government employee yeah, <laughs> in a I, scene. Yeah, she kind of has a conversation with Zachary Ty... Is that his name? Zachary Ty Bryant. Wow, yeah. that was just a moment of clarity for me. <laughs> Zachary Ty Bryant and his dad's like, don't you know we're one of the most powerful families like in this county or whatever. And she's advocating for the women, but then ultimately they're like, no. No, yeah. Um, what a surprise. When was the last time you saw this movie? With you guys when you played it on 35 oh. millimeter at the Alamo Draft House in yes. New York City. And it was great, because um. I love how you guys ripped it apart there. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. We call it breaking it down, but I also oh. like ripping it apart. I like that. It's like, yeah. it's vulgar, uh, yeah. horror-y. Want to kick it off? It starts out when Carrie's a little sweet baby. Her mom is having an episode and painting a red stripe around the whole house. And then flash forward, Carrie's in high school. I'm sorry, her name is definitely Rachel. Her name is not Carrie. Um, (laughs) Rachel's in high school, and she lives with uh, foster parents, played by John Doe from X and some wonderful actress, and they're horrible. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, my God. But where did her mom go? Oh, to a mental hospital. And guess what? There's a terrible portrayal of people with mental illness later to come. Yes. Her and Mina Suvari are getting super stoked, and they have their little tattoos, and they're like... Oh, wait, no, I'm not going to lick you, but they're like best bloods. And Mina Suvari just got laid or like lost her virginity, but she's being like really cagey about it. She's oh, wait, what does she say? She, oh, this is my favorite line. Do I look different? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I always say after I have sex, right? You go up to like the next person that you see besides the person you just had sex with, and you're like, hey, do I look different? Yeah. I just watched a Diary of a Teenage Girl for the first time, and they oh. also say it in that. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder why movies do really? that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think it's because it's like an old wives' tale that they yeah. tell you, like, after you lose you, your You definitely look cheap. different. Yeah, like, this wasn't my face before. Yeah. I, yeah. Have you seen that movie, Face Off? Yeah. So basically, that was, I was Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that we get that classic Hollywood line. Mm-hmm. This is what's interesting, and we can, like, talk about this as we go, but... I think there's like this little bit of like a queer undertone to Rachel's character that they bring up later through like jokes and stuff. And also that's just me like putting that on that because I want that to be a thing. Um, but She probably was. Yeah, I think it was. But they definitely have that moment which is so relatable where it's like two best friends, you're obsessed with each other. And then she's like, oh, you fucked a guy. And like the disappointment on her face, <laughs> she's like, um, 
Congrats. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, you're definitely bi. Like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, so that, that happens. And then yeah. they go to high school. And they show up at the high school, and obviously there's, like, ska music playing because every time somebody shows up at a high school and it's their first day, it's, like, ska music. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think it's because it's, like, energetic but also like really nerdy because it's like <laughs> like this trumpet is awkward so okay they show up ska music there's amazing fashion square cut necklines mesh three-quarter length long shirts over camisoles chokers we've got stickers in the locker fiona apple hole marilyn manson god smack uh, white zombie what so much white zombie so a lot of white zombie why not did you listen to White Zombie in high school? Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you were cool then. Less ska, more But I also like zombie. musicals. Okay, yeah. yeah you know, we, so you also different. had a ska record? No, no. Okay. I did not wow. listen to ska. I was obsessed with ska. No. <laughs> okay, so we kind of know the different cliques here. Musicals. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Zombie. We were the theater nerds. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like theater nerds also had a few punks. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I was like a type A stoner. I would like get kind of high go to physics and be like, ah. And then they introduce all the cliques, which is my favorite part in every single movie. And then they introduce the jocks. They watch some women walk by. One of them is Mina Servani, and they're like, Suvari. Suvari. I, I promised you I wouldn't correct you. Which one is you, that again? I had to. She's from American Beauty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's this. She was like the the petite woman. She's, she's beautiful. Petite. Yes, yeah. very petite, very she's, beautiful. She's got a look. And so some, they walk by, and the guys are like, ha ha, BDP. And Ow. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just I'm just showing you what toxic masculinity looks and feels really like. Um, and they but they call the women bulldog property. And Zachary Ty Bryant, the least hot person on Home Improvement, is like, oh, yeah, I fucked her. And then they take out a book and they make a point for it. So it's like, okay, we're introduced to who is the evil monster in this movie. They're having sex with different girls and rating them all based on a point system. And Kate, do you want to tell us a little bit about? where that came from. There was an actual group of men, a basketball team called the Spur Posse. They would actually evaluate their sexual encounters in a book, and a lot of the women were, were underage, and it became this huge news story, but of course the news story was, you know, these kids are really getting a raw deal, we're ruining these, young, these men. young men's lives. So that was one of the ways that we got into this movie that made it really interesting to us because we're like, okay, this isn't just a parody on, you know, high school politics that they're taking too far in an exploitation way. This is based on a true story and like the way that you perceive it here is actually a million times worse, <laughs> probably in real life. Did you have any of that happen to you in your high schools? I, I had guys uh, like just uh, evaluating women really? in my school with their hotness. Like in Pen15 when it's like on a wall yeah, in the bathroom? Yeah, that's what they did. did. Did someone ever find it and like be like, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, really people talked about it, but none of the grown-ups. Yeah, and that's the theme of this movie too, like grown-ups aren't dealing with it. Then comes the pivotal moment in this movie where Nina Suvari, got it. She finds out, or like the Zachary Ty Bryant like dumps her or whatever, and she kills herself. And she jumps off of a school building and lands on a car and it's, really intense and like this is where I think you get Kat Shea's like Roger Corman exploitation film background because she like is it's in your face you see it it's not graceful at all and she even has like a jock come over with a video camera and be like 
whoa, this car is totally destroyed. Like it's so painful and weird and aggressive. So everyone's indifferent. It's like, oh yeah, some bitch killed herself, like whatever. Yeah. You know, what class do you have next? I mean, that would happen um, now, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I think the video camera is definitely going to come into play as a theme in this movie because it's like the, dis the distance that you create through all of this technology. So everyone's like hiding behind these cameras and stuff. It's like it's not even happening. So that happens, she commits suicide, and that triggers her first telekinetic experience. Um, and it's like a locker scenario. So all the lockers open and close, the classic sign that someone's telekinetic. It's a trigger, and it's when she's feeling super emo, it goes black and white, and her powers come alive. Is that um, how you guys feel when you get super emo? <laughs> The world becomes black and white and all yes. the doors are slamming and you're just like... And then she's probably like, do I look different? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guys are like, we need to, we need to do some PR on this ASAP. <laughs> and there's a photo of Zachary Ty Bryant and Mina Servant, whatever, American Beauty. We just call her a hot lady from American Beauty. A hot lady from American Beauty. Um, there's a picture of them like this, which is what you do exactly after you have sex for the first time. You do a little quickie selfie. Do we look different? <laughs> and then, so then they're like, he's like, she took a picture of us, man. And then they're, the PR guy. The PR guy. His BFF, the PR guy. He goes to visit Rachel at her job, which is, wish this was still a job, 24-hour drive-through 35-millimeter development center. They pull up in their hot rod and they're like, yo, can we grab those pics? And this is where my like dream of a queer reading comes in is because they're like, come on, like we'll give you 20 bucks. And she's like, no way. And then the jerk, the PR director for the jocks is like, um, he's like, come on. Also, when would this work? He's like, you give us his photos. I'll take, a, I'll take you out for a ride. Don't worry, I don't bite. Ew, why do I want to go for a fucking ride with you, dog? Like, no. It's an invitation to get raped. Like, Jesus Christ. And she goes, no thanks, I'm a dyke. And you're like, oh my God. Like, if you're queer, you're like, is she? Oh my God. Uh, and then you realize, like, later on, she's not owning that part of her life. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, it feels very 90s to, to say that as a way to blow a dude off, but I think there are elements about her and her relationship with Jason London that I'm really pushing for because of the way he is styled and dressed that make it seem like a bit of a... He's a soft butch Yeah, he kind of sure. looks like a soft butch. Just like a quick shout out, we follow this Instagram account called Leslie Borden, and it's like doing queer readings and breakdowns of horror films that are queer, but also like all horror films from a queer perspective and just like looking for those threads and you know what it's like when like you look for the pieces and she does a really great job of that and so we have had fun kind of looking at aspects of this movie in that light and I right. think she definitely has a queer undertone that I'm gonna just be I pulling apart. Yeah, Cut, to. <laughs> Cut, Cut to. Cut to. Oh, yeah. Her dog gets run over. She stops a, a truck with her telekinetic powers. Actually, her telekinetic powers really help her get laid, too, in this movie. And then they take the dog, obviously, to the Emerge, and they deal with that. And then they go on a date, and she's, like, covered in blood. And I'm like, this is, like, the best possible date. They go to a diner. She's covered in blood. Everyone's like, and she's just, like, feeling herself. Oh, sad, but feeling, her, <laughs> feeling herself and sad. And then Jason London, there's like a little jukebox. He's like, oh man, I wish there was some garbage on this jukebox. What okay. straight guy do you know 
listens to garbage and is actively like, I wish it was available to listen to in he a like, public place. He probably asked Jeeves. He's like, yeah, he asked what Jeeves. do girls What do punk listen? girls like? Yeah, like, yeah, girls with black curly hair, what are they listening to now? With like, with yeah. like flames yeah. on their shirt. Remember, the PR director has another great line. They're like, Rachel, that Rachel girl won't give us the photos. What are we gonna do to teach her a lesson? He goes, the best defense is a good offense. Thanks a lot, organized sports. So they go to her, so the football team goes to Rachel's house while she's showering. Right. Bangs on, on the, the doors, doors and gets puts brass knuckles on. Also, why does he have brass knuckles? Like yeah, what, right. is he do, what is he doing with them? And then they are able to dissuade him from physically beating her and she smashes a window on his fingers, finally controlling her telekinetic abilities. Come on. And then she starts dating the cool jock. A jock and an outsider. Oh my God, can you believe it? Um, Jesse Ryan, though, I wrote down, looking more and more like a straight guy who listens to garbage unironically each and every day. T-shirt with sleeves rolled, tucked into jeans. You know what? This is lesbian coding. She is a dyke. I believe what she stated earlier at the, scene, at the 24-hour photo job. Jason London is a soft butch. He's here for all the pseudo-lesbian readings I want to do on this film. Um, he also was wearing like a belt. Like it was like this. Seemingly this is a lesbian film. I would say. Yeah. You could categorize yeah. it as such. Yeah. And maybe that's what her telekinesis yeah. means. It's her yeah. fighting her own internalized homophobia in order, oh my God. What, I, <laughs> this is getting so deep, but we, we get deep. We obviously get deep. Yes. As they start dating, all of her barriers start coming down, and she like goes to a football game, which I'm still like, you don't even have to she's do that. She's just trying to act acclimate. Right, know? she's trying to yeah. acclimate. All the football players, though, like the spotlights shine on them, like this might go to court, and their dads are like, no, we're gonna get them out of this, and they get them out of it, and then they get ready to play the big game, mm -hmm. and they all shave their heads. Watching like 14 men, completely shaved head, the 98 of percent of whom are white, screaming. You're like, okay, I don't want to be a part of this. And then to celebrate their giant victory, they have a party. CD Party Massacre. Is this around the same time when oh, the, the movie that came out, it's like, kiss me, I'm in the daily What's that movie? What, the, what is that? Well, that's Sixpence None the Richer, kiss Wait, No, I know, but like, song. that fit, you know, and she, yeah, she's all that. I was, I was like, yeah. associate that this this moment when she's like revealed. Yeah. There's a whole bullying of women thing going on in the '90s and now, but like, you know, the jocks then are like, "Hey, Rachel, do you love Jesse?" And she's like, "What?" And then they put on the big screen the video of her losing her virginity to Jesse, which happened like two nights before. So they actually videotaped her having sex, and then they put it on at a party. So it's like the, I was saying, I was like, oh yeah, this is like revenge porn, like that we're all dealing well, yeah, with now. It's like, definitely early revenge porn, yeah. So then her telekinetic powers go into overdrive and she kills people, and here's how. Well, okay, so there's a, a multitude of different kills. Obviously, the normal ones, fire, you know, things falling on their head. But then there's also, do you want to say? No, I feel like it doesn't, somebody, somebody gets like speared, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. it's a fire, yeah. so uh, some, fireplace thing. It's so intense. And th so there's a lot of penetration deaths in this right. movie. So there's another one, which is fucking amazing. The chick from the TV Clueless, her her glasses explode into her eyes. It's so satisfying. And she's like 
holding this harpoon, and the harpoon goes off and shoots into a guy's dick. Zachary Ty Bryant's And then dick. his balls fly into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, this movie comes through so with the revenge. <laughs> it is insane, because you're like, oh my god, her eyes. Oh my god, his crotch. Oh my god, there go his balls. <laughs> it happens all cool. at once. And then the other death that's a perfect 90s death. Death but by pool cover. It's such a thing in the 90s. Like people are fucking I'm terrified. I'm just afraid of that, like seriously. Right? Not not by harpooning, but by pool yeah. death. So you would rather so harpooning than Yeah, pool probably, death. yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give you four options, ready? Yeah. A CD slices your throat open. Okay, that's, that's what one happens in a A CD slices your throat open, not a DVD. Um, a harpoon. <laughs> Through your vagina. vagina. Okay, no. ow. And your ovaries no. end up in the pool. Hysterectomine. <laughs> a hysterectomine by a, by a fucking harpoon. I feel like that'd be like super difficult. But I mean, but it just, yeah, it is what it is. Her telekinesis yeah, can do it, anything. Yeah, it can, can, do, it can pull, pull it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, or your glasses explode in your eyes. And then you like slowly bleed out. No. Or you get trapped under an automatic pool cover and you can't get out and then eventually you just drown. That's they all sound yeah. terrible. I'm going C D throat yeah, all the way. Like quick. Where did the harpoon come from? So the PR director for the jocks, his dad has a lake house. So so there's a like exactly. So there's a lot of like aquatic gear and of course they're like Ultra, like, you know, alpha male, like, we hunt fish. Like, yes, they were locked in a gun. This young lady knows. You were right, they were locked in a gun cabinet. Because that's where I keep my harpoons, okay? God. I'm the PR director for a group of jocks. I keep my harpoons locked in a gun closet. Don't ask me questions. I'm just taking care of business. Okay, so the house is falling down around them. It's like hell at this point. It actually yeah. looks like hell, and like people are like just burning. Oh my god. And then she gets the sickest tattoos all over her body. Because she's that angry. Yes. See, I, that's the one that's the most iconic thing about this movie. Yeah. Is it was really the cool during that time. Tattoos that grow all over all over her body. It was such an amazing choice. It's just like it's that's the thing that's burning into my mind. And what were you saying, Leah, oh. about, because I was like, they, I thought it was painted on like body paint. Yeah, I think like after, but they did like really sick for that time special effects, so, yeah. like with 3D animation oh, on okay. it. Like you could, I mean, you can You tell. can tell? Okay, yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell, but you're, as yeah. an animator, you have the eye, so. Sure, it's like so the frame rate. Makeup and animation <laughs> working together. Really CGI, yeah. Uh, I wonder if they made tattoos for her. That's what they probably did. Essentially, they would yeah. have to just yeah. because That's of what the I was thinking. hours yeah. work. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. in continuity, yeah. we would usually do tattoos. Sumika is telling us from the audience, we would usually do tattoos, fake in tattoos on someone, and then animate over them yeah. for something like this. But then her boyfriend shows up, and then he's like, baby, I love you. Uh, and she's like, you don't love me. That was a lie. And then he's like, I do love you. And then at that point in the sex tape that has been playing on loop this whole fucking time, like, could you imagine a worse nightmare? Like, not only is like everyone bullying you and like exposing losing your virginity, but the tape also seems to be looping. Because um, the PR director for the jocks knows how to do digital equipment. Somewhere off in the house, we hear Jesse London, Jesse's voice going, I love you. And she looks over and it's the TV. And it's an image from the sex tape of him holding her while she sleeps saying, I love you. But she was asleep so she didn't know. So she keeps rewinding it. With her like telekinesis. Her with her telekinesis. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she's zooming and enhancing the video somehow. And I was just saying that like, I think that should be a new phrase for when you are reading a DM from your crush over and over and over again, three weeks later being like, 
Ah, yes, I said it was cool. So it's called rewinding. It's called rewinding in your DMs. No. Um, which I was, I know, I was doing it yesterday because we were having breakfast this morning when we came up with this concept of rewinding in your DMs and I was just like, it feels so fresh because I just keep reliving it. And I was like, yo, that happened a week ago. Chill the fuck out. And so she sees that he said I loved you. She rewinds the DM. She She's sees like, holy he shit, loves someone loves me. And then a roof falls on her. This is also where I'm like, writer, really? Um, and she dies being crushed by a roof. And Jason London lives on. She pushed him out of the way. But honestly, I think that's such bullshit. She's yeah, been traumatized like, so much. Like, the last thing she fucking... Like, she was bullied so much. And now and she, she needs still, to help somebody? Fuck that shit. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. That's the one part where this movie where I'm like, no, this is not teaching women the right thing to do. This is teaching women the wrong thing to do. She should have jumped and been like, watch out! <laughs> so then she's dead. And then, cut to the weirdest fucking part of this movie. I always forget that it even exists. It's like the afterthought. It's like the last scare. Um, and I'm just gonna hand this over to Daphne because she's an actor. We wrote up the ending and I'm just gonna read it to you verbatim because it's better than me trying to do it. Okay, so one year later. Hot, soft, butch dude is still alive and at college. He's got a burned arm from kissing her goodbye and touching the fire. Her apparition self walks through the window and surprises him. They make out and then her face cracks into dust. Suddenly, the sound of an eagle's cry and a man's heart beating. A bell tolls as the digital clock strikes midnight. We rack focus to the image of his reflection, multiplied through, a, through mirror after mirror, and a bumper sticker reading, Infinity's End comes into focus. Not so fun to experience trauma, is it, Jesse Ryan? Guess you shouldn't have been part of a rapist club. <laughs> the end. The end of Carrie. It's really weird. That's what scared me, though, as a kid. Really? Yeah, the, the dust face thing. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, my God. It's also very intense because her face cracks into dust, and it's like, <laughs> and you're just like, Where, why the fuck is this eagle a thing, number one? The sound design people in this movie were like, I don't know, this. the producers were like, I don't know, the moment's not really hitting. Like, what are some things that are like, yeah, like, this is intense. Like, I don't know, like a bell toll, a heartbeat, an eagle, cry. Like, literally, they took, like, the top four samples on, like, a special effects CD and were like, I don't know, throw them all in there, see what they fucking say. And then the producers were like, we love it. They probably wrote this from, like, is... pure moods falling, yeah, pure... too. But in the end, though, you're like, it sucks that she died, but also, like, I, like, now with our new perspective on this film, it's like, yeah, Good. You are traumatized. I'm glad that you're having a yeah. horrible life. Infinity's end. It will never end for you. Do you think he's going to be haunted by her his entire life? I mean, like that's I the wish. next film. That's the yeah. entire film. The, what would it be called? I know what you did, bitch. There actually was an alt yeah. title for this movie at first before they went into production. It was going to be called Carrie Two. Say you're sorry. Which is like, isn't that fucked the fuck up? I mean, I think it's awesome because it's literally like call out culture on 11. Yeah. They're like, guess what? You fucking should be sorry. Like, Not the rage. It's That's like saying like modern day hysteria. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point because yeah. the rage pins this more on her yeah. and her trauma than yeah. it's like holding them accountable. Say you're sorry yeah. is really holding the parties, yeah. the guilty parties accountable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, yeah. like, that's just a great title for really anything. Good. Say you're sorry. Well, we know what to call our next film. I'm yeah. serious, and this is a this is a room full of filmmakers. So let's make this motherfucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> Who is Jason London's agent? Is he here? He or she? <laughs> so thank you guys so much. We're not done. We're not done with you. And literally, if you try to leave, I will take off my. Mike, at my bra, my mic. I will get naked and attack you at that door. Did Kate get naked and attack all of our guests at the door? Find out next week when we drop part two of Ladies Horror Night Live from the Sidewalk Film Festival in Birmingham, Alabama. And if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe on iTunes, rate, and review our podcast. Follow us on Instagram, at Ladies Horror Night, to stay up to date with latest episodes and when we will be hosting live screenings. Thanks! Thanks!